Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. Today is the first quarter 2020 Von Nelson Select recap. In the first quarter of 2020, Von Nelson Select returned a negative 20.95% gross, a negative 21.16% net, and that's compared to the S&P 500 at negative 19.6%. And with me today is Lean Senior Portfolio Manager, Scott Weber. With that, Scott, we'll turn things over to you. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Um, obviously, those are not pretty numbers, um, but uh, we were preparing at the beginning of the year for a little bit of a reflationary impulse. All the classic signals that you think were there, election year, the market's response to Fed using, look at the yield curve, pricing of tips, CPI recovering, et cetera. So um, as it turns out, that, that posture turned out to be flat round. Uh, but fortunately, that's not the full tail of the tape. And also, fortunately, we were quick to respond. So uh, selling, uh, broadly speaking, in January was the uh, order of the day as the market was down a little bit. It recovered in February and uh, reached a peak somewhere around February 19th. And that is when really the first of two big factors began to grab uh, the attention of investors. Of course, um, no secret, we're talking about the spread of COVID-19. But really when Iran, and I guess more to the point, Italy uh, found, you know, fell victim to the disease, that brought relevance to the threat to investors around the world signifying it wasn't just another Birdsley-type situation. So the other big shock that arrived in the quarter was the uh, oil spat between Russia and Saudi Arabia that hit investor screens around the weekend of March 7th. But let's pause the oil discussion and go back to the virus for just a second. So the virus, and obviously I'm not an epidemiologist, but uh, the virus and the, the response on the part of policymakers to the virus is already etched pretty deeply in the minds of probably everybody on the planet. I can't think of anything that's disrupted our way of living so quickly and profoundly. And uh, hopefully, and I mean, here we are early April, we're seeing hopeful headlines of flattenings and curves and potential vaccines and that sort of thing. And, and hopefully that or some treatment protocol can help restore some form of normalcy soon. But in the meantime, clearly it's left a mark on global demand and it'll take a bit of time to seal that. So as I look today at the Bloomberg, um, U.S. and GDP, sorry, U.S. and global GDP forecasts have been reduced from about 1.8 and 3 percent, respectively, to about 1.8 and 2.3 percent. Uh, S&P 500 earnings forecasts have also been reduced from about $175 of earnings to a little less than 150 as of today, early April, um, and that's for calendar 2020. So that happens to be about 15 percent reduction in EPS forecasts. Which also, if you look at the close of today, um, it's a, the S&P itself is down about 15%. Said differently, we really haven't experienced real multiple contractions during the drawdown. Um, and even though we never expect to see trough multiple on trough earnings, I'm not sure and I'm not convinced that we've seen trough earnings yet. So we expect the market to buy in before earnings do. Um, we're a little concerned that the economist forecast of GDP the analyst estimates of S&P don't fully reflect the setback that we've seen in the economy. On the other hand, we are definitely seeing fit to opportunistically catch the proverbial bath, sorry, baby being thrown out with bathwater. So, as you might imagine, we're being very selective in putting capital to work and we hold a little bit more cash than usual in the portfolio today. So let's come back to oil for a second. 
Um, the market had hoped that the OPEC plus framework would work together to limit the production of oil, and that would provide support to what was an already pretty weak price. Instead, the supply curtailment shifted to a market share grab when the Russo-Saudi agreement broke down. Um, that resulting promise to accelerate production enhanced the supply overhang in the market, and it did so facing weak and weakening demand, which sent the commodity price just plummeting. Um, I think that most U.S. consumers are well-conditioned to notice the price of the pump, and they might cheer on a decline in the price per barrel of oil. But this is a stark reminder of the other side of that coin, and that is it's a, energy is a significant employer and, and um, to US, for U.S. jobs and for U.S. spending. It wouldn't be a stretch just saying that uh, to imagine that this so-called breakdown of the OPEC plus agreement wasn't some form of strategic decision on the part of Russia and perhaps Russia and Saudi, but I'll leave that speculation for another time in another conversation. All told, these twin shocks of the virus and the oil uh, price are, are very pronounced uh, in our factor view of the markets. So as I was reviewing the factor exposures that we have in the portfolio and each individual response and each individual name through the quarter, there's a meaningfully significant inflection in the performance and the contribution of each sector, sorry, the contribution specifically of sector and style, and that inflection occurred on March 9th, interesting, right after that uh, oil price decline. So in broad terms, when the market shows a large up or down move, and, and it moves monolithically, say from a large news event or a presumed shift in allocation, our relative performance is a hard time keeping up. Conversely, when price discovery is evident, our relative performance tends to benefit, owing largely to the significance of security selection in that process. So when you have, as we've seen, the fastest drawdown and then a swift something like 50% retracement, um, we've obviously had several of these monolithically bad days this year. Uh, thankfully, now they seem to be happening less frequently. Um, I don't think the virus is going to surprise anyone now. The only surprise is going to be how long it lasts and, and, and how quickly we can recover, uh, both individually and um, economically. But turning back to the factors, that factor inflection on March 9th points to a significantly positive shift in the performance of the portfolio stemming from style and industry exposures. The shift is enhanced um, by some of the changes that we made around that time, and we'll get to the changes in just a moment. So while we're very disappointed to have performance that's weak along with the market, uh, it's interesting, even if only for academic curiosity, and it may in fact be comforting to note the preponderance of that underperformance in the portfolio occurred before the March 9th inflection, and it was largely from a single stock. We had one position down over 80% in the quarter, and it essentially ticked everything, all the boxes you want to avoid in the first quarter. It was an energy company, it was a smaller company, the market had some concern about their ability to get financing for one of the larger projects. So as if all that wasn't enough, um, it also lost the top five in where the sub-advisor um, was, was essentially fired. They lost their mandate. And so the selling pressure that resulted from that um, took the volume and literally had it explode to over 12 million shares a day in February and March, compared to about 4.5 million through, a day through 2019. So that reckless selling of the name exhausted the buyers in an already weak tape. It wrought havoc on the securities price, and it wasn't fun to watch. 
that stock alone cost us over two and a half percent of relative performance and made energy our worst performing sector. Turns out each sector was down in the quarter, that probably wasn't surprising them. From a relative standpoint, uh, in our portfolio, staples and utilities were weak performers because we did a little better than the market and we don't happen to win anything there. But not only real estate was a positive relative trigger. Uh, technology was a bit weak too, as one of our semiconductor companies was down about 40% during the quarter. We've actually done more, but we were building a position to our declines less. Um, interestingly, industrials and materials were the leading sector performers from a regular sense. And we also had five names in the portfolio with positive returns for the quarter across various sectors. Looking now towards the activity like we talked about, um, it was a busy quarter, much busier than usual, as we first worked to reduce risk by uh, eliminating or reducing exposure to aero and to financials. As we did so, our cash position, which began the year under 2%, it grew in early March to go above 7%, which is much higher than we usually have. Um, it's subsequently been reduced close to 5%, as we've made some of the opportunistic purchases that I referred to earlier, as you know, babies being thrown out with the bathwater. So in sum, we removed seven names, we added seven names to the portfolio during the quarter. Our portfolio characteristics are consistent with where they've always been, high active share, bias with higher return companies at good valuations, et cetera, et cetera. And um, there isn't a monumental shift there. Looking at a macro, because it's probably the most interesting aspect to all of this, um, we are definitely keeping a keen eye on the developing changes that influence company valuations, consumer demand, and companies' abilities to source capital. We think that the competitive landscapes are changing and the opportunities to source alpha will follow those changes. We would certainly encourage investors to watch the volatility in the corporate debt markets, the euro-dollar forward curve, mortgage finance markets, FX markets, and especially watch the value of the dollar. Um, we continue to favor businesses that have pricing power, uninterrupted demand, and, and hopefully adequately internally generated funds to support their activity and hopefully growth. Um, we're avoiding businesses that are reliant on external capital or liquidity, especially those that are reliant on easy credit, have shrinking in markets, or require you know, the financing of share repurchase for EPS growth, as we think in aggregate share repurchase will be less of a factor going forward. It seems probably a bit too early to get very aggressive in some of the impacted industries, such as travel, airlines, et cetera, but it's assured we're sharpening our pencils on those valuations and looking all across for opportunity. In our view, the market shock to date reflects really the liquidity phase of the adjustment, Probably haven't fully gone through the solvency phase. It's going to take longer. It'll be less acute. Investors, I think, instinctively evaluate what it takes to return to normal in times like this. But what is, quote, normal is definitely changing. Um, we do expect the volatility regime to stay out of the QE and do slumber that it had for the last several years. Maybe not quite as bad as it was in early March. But um, we, we think that what follows from that is that what worked in the last few years probably won't be the same in the next few years. Um, and however painful it is to see the destruction of capital that's been visited upon us, 
the uh, resulting volatility, and particularly the price discovery, favors an active approach, which is really along the lines of our method of investing. So as we've said, you know, in, in quarter reviews in the past, it's not always going to be sleepy, easy, low-volume market environment. We think that volatility might pick up and that might give an opportunity to an active investor. Well, here it is in spades <laughs> visiting us at the doorstep. Um, as always, we want to thank investors for the confidence that they've placed in Von Nelson and our team, and most importantly, stay safe and healthy. Well, Scott, that's a great recap. Thank you for that. And you know, certainly a, a grind of a quarter for everybody out there. So you know, here's to turn the page on Q1 and, and hopefully Q2 starts to start turn a little bit better for everybody. And next time we have you on here, it should be a, a better scene. Amen to that. All right, great. Well, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.